it's been a long time since we've rock and rolled. But that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Inceptia. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today from Dokken and Foreigner, but today from the End Machine, Jeff Pilsen. Jeff, how you doing, man? Great, Sly Dog. I'm doing good. Glad to hear that. So uh, let's dive in. We're into we're now on to phase two of the End Machine. So coming out of that first one, it was very much you know it was kind of marketed by Frontiers, as you know. Dokken plus Robert Basin in a way, kind of like that second Lynch Mob album. And now, after that album's done, uh, there's been a bit of a lineup change, and things have kind of settled, like settled in now. And you know, we're in the middle of COVID. What was the idea kind of going into this one? Was it like just a okay, let's follow up the first one, or was there kind of a different vibe going into this album? I, I would say there was a little bit of a different vibe in that. You know, we really wanted to concentrate on the songs. Uh, songwriting was the number one <clears throat> priority all the way through the record, um, and we really held to that. Um, we just wanted the best possible songs, great hooks, great melodies, you know. We knew all the other stuff would be there. It was just, let's make sure these songs are top-notch, and I, I feel so good about how, what we did with that. I feel like you definitely succeeded. I found the album to be a little more immediate than the first one. Like, I enjoyed the yeah. first one. It's got a lot of great grooves to it, but this one... Like a song like Crack the Sky, that's an earworm right away, in my opinion. Right. Well, well, that was that was kind of what we were going for. We wanted to be, um, we wanted it more readily accessible. Yeah. And, and you know, a great hook's a great hook. And that's, like I say, if we started there, everything else was easy. If you had a great hook, it was great. You know, it, it all fell together. Nice. 
Awesome. So was this an album where you, you guys actually got to get in a room and like record this together? Or was this a pandemic thing where like you were kind of trading files back and forth working on these songs? Well, um, you know, George and I had done a record earlier in the uh, earlier in the year um, that we did all remotely. It was a record called Heavy Hitters. It was a covers record, nice. a fun, fun record that we did. It was, it was great. And in that, we kind of learned how to work remotely. Uh, where <clears throat> And there's a program now where I can run George's studio for my you know, my, my computer, um, and, uh, you know, he's still in his studio, and he actually doesn't even live that far away, but, um, but he, he, you know, we were, we wanted to be careful, so he did all his tracks remotely, you know, we'd talk on Skype to communicate, and then I'd run, you know, his, his studio with my computer, um, and it, it ended up working out great, it, and we were very, very pleased that we could do it that way, um, and then, uh, but 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 Robert and Steve both did all their tracks here. Um, by that point, once all the music was, you know, a bulk of the music was done, we felt pretty good about that. So, um, so yeah, um, part remote, part live. <laughs> nice. That, that that actually leads me down a quick sidebar because I think that's so cool that you were kind of like able to like literally produce Jeff from a remote. Lo not Jeff, uh, produce George from a remote location. Uh, that's so yeah. cool. Like, do you think that's going to be a big thing now with like, I know you produce like other bands, obviously you produce for Foreigner and you've done Black Swan. Do you think that's going to be a big thing going forward? Is this remote kind of production style? Well, it's, it's now, uh, you know, it's a tool in the arsenal. Um, so yeah, I, I think, it, I think you will see more of it even post pandemic just because it does enable musicians from a long ways away to, to work together. And that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> we'll see, I mean, you know, there's still nothing quite like personal contact, um, but, you know, as, as, as if the necessity is there to use it, at least we have technology now that's very effective, so that's great. So, yeah, I think you'll see more of it. That's pretty cool. Nice. And you mentioned Steve earlier, Steve filling in for, uh, stepping in for, uh, Nick Brown, who has since, uh, step down from the kid do you feel like he brought anything different to the record than mick would have like or like was it different working with him to, like than working with mick well um playing wise no <laughs> he played really close to how mick plays which is and you know that part of that was intentional he wanted to you know he wanted to fit in like that but he also naturally just plays like that it's 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 great um and he brought in and he's got a great voice like mick does too so from the playing and singing angle he, I mean, what he brought in, it was tremendously reminiscent of what Mick would do. So I, I can't say that he did a whole lot different there than Mick would have done. But he's, one thing that was really great about Steve is, you know, he's, he is a seasoned pro, even though he's his little brother. Um, you know, but uh, he, he was able to play in the studio in a way that was really effective. And I was really pleased with how well he played in the studio it was great i because i didn't know i mean i knew he'd be great but um i honestly you know i'd never worked with steve you know i mean i've known him since he was 15 years old but <laughs> um but it was it was really cool to see him come into the studio and just nail it i mean he's re he's very experienced he's done a lot of work in the studios in the 90s and early 2000s so uh and it really showed and it made it made doing the record just a joy and a lot of fun Nice. Wonderful. 
So uh, let let me jump on. I want to ask about a few songs specifically because there are definitely a lot of highlights on this album. And first one I want to hit on is let me see my notes here. Uh, Plastic Heroes. Um, I love the dreamy Beatles intro that you guys did on that one. And then <laughs> Thank you. You get that classic dirty groove going on. Uh, yeah. And there's talk about that song a bit. There's a great line in there. How many low lives behind the highlight reel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, we were we were writing about you know like the Kardashian kind of people in the world, you know, and, and listen, I don't mean to insult the Kardashians, but but what they kind of represent is you know plastic people, fake people, um, who rise to this incredible level of celebrity in our culture, and it's like, why? I mean, you know, why? It's just so strange to uh, certainly us in our observation that that people like that would get such celebrity. Uh, and and have a lot of power. I mean, they're big influences. They're big. They have a lot of power with people in this society. So um, it was just kind of talking about people like the, you know empty, empty celebrity is really what it was it was talking about. And um, I just I, I I love I love and then you're right. I love some of the lines. I mean, Robert comes up with some great lines, and that was one of them. <laughs> yeah, so is, is Robert like the like the sole lyricist on the album? Not the soul, but the main. Um, what happened was, is we pretty much, what we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure we were all happy about, at least the three of us, George, Robert, and I, happy about um, all the choruses in the song. That's really what we did. Is we started off writing together on, on Zoom, frankly. We, we, we were having Zoom sessions um, and kind of solidified the choruses or got pretty close on the choruses. And then... Sometimes Robert would take it away and write most of the rest of it. Sometimes others would contribute. Um, but he, I would definitely call him the main lyricist for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Another one I love is, I love Scars, because I heard this song and my first thought was Reverse Alone Again, because it's kind of a breakup song. And there's even a bit of a guitar in there that really reminds me of Alone Again. Talk about that one. Well, Scars, um, that was... that. I mean, we, we knew we were writing a ballad, so a, and we knew it was going to be compared to Alone Again, which was okay. And see, that's the thing. This time, when things like that would happen as we were writing, instead of trying like, oh, we can't have it like that, we got to change it, we just said, no, let it be. Let it be. You know? The, why not? That's part of our past. Why not embrace it? So we did, and we had fun with it, and then, yeah, I mean... When when we were working on that one, it, it took a little while to get that one totally together. But um, but uh, Robert had the um, the opening melody of the chorus, and we loved that. Um, and he had the word "scars" in there, but he didn't actually have it as the title. Um, and and uh, but it was it was, we we George and I both when we heard that we were like, no, that's it. That's that's the cool thing, you know. So so. Um, so basically, he wrote the song around that. I would say he wrote most of those lyrics, and um, and it was just a, you know, we just wanted to come up with a nice, heartfelt, real ballad. We knew, you know, if there was going to be comparisons to Alone Again, that's okay. But if as long as it's honest and it's real, don't have a problem with it. Totally, I totally felt that one. Great song. Uh, I, a, a bit of a strange question. I'm, I've, I've been having trouble trying to figure out how to voice this one, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, okay. I'm curious in a way what the end machine means to you. You, you know, you were talking about people will always kind of compare it to Dokken because you, you and George were both in that band. And there are elements of that in the album, but at the end of the day, what do you see it as, honestly? What do you see the end machine as? 
I see the end machine just, I mean, it, it, it's certainly it's a vehicle for all of us to have this great melodic rock band where, you know, it kind of, it's kind of one of those things where it feels like we can do anything because we got this great guitar player and we got this singer who can sing anything, you know? So, um, so I just see it as a, and, and now with Steve in there, you know, listen, Mick and George and I obviously have a great chemistry and, and, you know, we were all bummed when we knew that Mick was going to retire because we weren't really sure what was going to happen. I mean, you know, it's kind of like losing a family member in a way almost. Um, but Steve just came in and nailed it so much, and he added so much youthful enthusiasm uh, that now I see the M Machine as this very strong unit, capable of kind of doing anything we wish, um, but it's just a great outlet for melodic hard rock with great grooves, great melodies, great choruses, you know, stuff that we love. Um, and I know that... Um, whenever the day comes that we get to go out and play live, I know we're going to just ridiculously kick ass. So um, that's just, it's great to have that in your back pocket. It really is. Nice. I, I look forward to that, by the way. I'm here in SoCal, so I'm hoping, I missed you guys the first time around, but I'm hoping to catch you when things open up again because, man, we I'm dying for a show. <laughs> yeah, as are most of us. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I, I got another question for you. For you. I got a few more left. So, uh, so this was going to be an interesting question. Um, like to, to the listeners out there, I, I originally thought George was going to be on here too, but I'm cool just having Jeff. Uh, so my question to you then, it was going to be to both of you originally. Um, you've worked with George quite a bit over the years, whether it was Dokken, Lynch Pilsen, uh, Lynch Mob, uh, TNN. What's one thing you, that George has taught you that you take with and you use when you work outside of those projects? Oh, wow. It's a good question. Well, you know, George is just brutally honest, and I love that. You know, I mean, he's he's really taught me about being able to let go of things. You know, I mean, most artists, myself included, have a tendency to hold on to ideas. You know, we, we, we have an idea, and we hold on to it. Well, that's good when it comes to something you're really passionate about, and, you know, it can be, it can be great for motivating you. But at the end of the day, you have to be open to anything because sometimes you never know with, with, by changing just sometimes the smallest thing, you can open the door to a whole bunch of other things. And I feel that's something George kind of taught me because he's not afraid to just, no, let's just tear it down, start again, let's just do it, you know. And, and I think that's a very healthy attitude about music. Um, do it until you, you're just really excited about it. And, and, um, and, and it takes that brutal honesty and, and the ability to really self-critique in a way where you don't lose your inspiration, but you find that better thing. And he's definitely helped with that. Nice. It's wonderful. He's always been like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that kind of comes out in, like, you know, his own work because he, like, he's never afraid to put out a, a project, you know, whether it sticks or it doesn't, he puts it out. And I think that's kind of Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, next, uh, I would I would be remiss if I didn't ask about uh, the Foreigner world. So how are things going there? And like, what's what's it looking like with Foreigner? Are we just looking like to get back on the road or is there something? Yeah, we're, we're, well, we are, we are working on new material, but it's a slow process and we're not in any hurry. Um, but there are some new songs floating around the pipeline that are very strong. Um, just kind of waiting to get to the next step with that. Not sure where... You know, they'll probably end up on some package or something that we release in the next couple years. Um, but there's some really good stuff floating around, so that's great. But we're back on the road. Our first show is May 19th in Florida, so 
we've got shows booked, so, you know, hoping that, like, the variants and the surge don't, you know, blow everything up again, but um, if that's the case, uh, Foreigner's back on the road at the end of May, and here we are. We're back. <laughs> nice, nice. I hope, I hope so. Uh, I'm, I'm curious because uh, I was actually supposed to see you guys before all this went down. I was really excited about the Jukebox Heroes. It was going to be you guys and Europe and Kansas. Yes. Like, that, was, that looked like such a good bill. Is that going to be rescheduled at all, or is that kind of like just kind of come apart? I don't think the same bill will be rescheduled, no, because I think everybody else has kind of floated um, but, but I know, I do know we have a big tour planned for, for 22, a big shed tour planned for the summer of 22. So, so that will be happening. Um, uh, and, and again, you know, we start in on May and we, once we start in, we go all the way till the end of November of this year and then we start back up next year. So nice. yeah, Foreigners heading back into live world very, very soon. Nice. I look for, I look forward to it. I was so excited for that one. I was bummed when, when things hit because mm. I was, that's gonna be a hell of a blend of bands. Mm, yeah, I I I love both. Kansas and Europe are both great. I love them both. Totally. So my tradition here is I always like to end on a positive note before the plugs and everything. So, do you have a funny tour story? It can be from touring with Dokken or Lynch Mob or Foreigner, whatever the case may be. Do you have a really funny tour story that sticks out in your mind? Well, the the funniest one I just off off the top of my head. Um, first time we ever went to Japan. So this was this was Dokken. This is in 1985, end of 1985. Um, we were playing, and we were playing in this beautiful hall. I mean, they have really lovely halls over there. Um, and you know, I used to always, you know, I move around a lot on stage, and I used to like to run out to the wings where the PA was, you know, and, and stand out there and rock with the people. Um, well, what I didn't know is that the Japanese, the you know, they have this the PA speakers on a platform, but between that platform and the stage, all they use is balsa wood <laughs> for for the the, the little ramp. Oh, Nobody no. told me not to go on there or anything. So of course I go out there and it's balsa wood. So I just my leg just <laughs> right through it, and my and I had my the pants that I had on. I believe were the ones on the cover of Under Lock and Key. The, <laughs> And they just ripped, and I just started bleeding, and people were cheering. They thought it was part of the show. <laughs> My crew guy actually had to come and pull me out because I was like, you know, <laughs> scraping my leg. I was pulling my leg out of there. But people actually thought it was part of the show. So, you know, I've never been able to reprise that role, but maybe someday. <laughs> Oh, that's that's great! That's great. The blood's flowing. Wow, this is real. This is really good special yeah. effects. And He's into it. Ah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Well, Jeff, this has been an absolute blast. I always we gotta end. Oh. Well, thank you. I, I gotta show you something. I, I just got these in the mail just before I came here. So here's oh. here's a copy oh, of Phase Two, the new M Machine record. I cannot wait to get mine on Friday in the mail. Oh, great! Yeah, my mine just arrived. It's First, I thought, so, and you're the first guy to display it. So <laughs> nice, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, do a little, do some, do some plugs at the end. Where can people find you? And uh... Uh, well, I'm I'm the real, excuse me, the real Jeff Pilson on Instagram and uh, the Jeff Pilson fan page on Facebook. Which, and I can get emails there and everything. So so please come come by there and say hi and. What is that? Oh, and tw tw what am I on Twitter? I forget what I am on Twitter, but something. You know, just look for me. I'm there somewhere. <laughs> awesome. And everybody go check out The End Machine Phase 2 out this Friday. 
uh, April 9th. Uh, it's an incredible record. I've had the pleasure of listening to it quite a few times and go pick it up like on Amazon or at a record store if you can. If you're here at SoCal like me, I know Amoeba's open now, so go check that out. Oh, great, great, great. Well, thank you so much, Sly Dog. Great, 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 great time you, today. Jess. Thank you. All Have right. You too. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Peace. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.